Hi there, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks, a podcast dedicated to family adventure in our national parks. I am your host, Brian, along with my wife, Danielle. Hello. We wanted to take this first episode to tell you about some of the themes we'll be talking about in the coming weeks and months and um, where this idea came about. Brian, would you like to start there and tell our listeners how we came up with this idea? Sure. Well, there's a few elements to this. I think uh, the most basic element is, like a lot of people listening, we had a uh, we had a basic relationship with, with our national parks through chiefly a visit we went on back in 2002, where we went up the West Coast, starting at Petrified Forest, uh, Painted Desert, up to Bryce, Zion, Olympic, uh, Muir Woods, and it was a great trip. We, at some point in the trip, discussed, wouldn't it be great, and I probably prematurely on my part, wouldn't it be great if at some point we have kids uh, that we would replicate this or we would introduce them to our national parks, our country, the different areas of our country, deserts, uh, rainforest, uh, redwood trees. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do with our kids? Well, here we are with two little girls, ages seven and four. We're now just at the point where they're old enough that they have some independence. They can go out on their own a little bit, uh, that we can have a full vacation, and, and we don't really have to worry about them uh, so far holding us back too much. So that's where we are right now. And I think uh, the second part, which crystallized why a podcast, was uh, we went on a trip to Disney World. And uh, I know it's ironic where this is a National Parks podcast, and, and I'm mentioning Disney World here within the first few minutes, but we had a great family trip, uh, wouldn't you say? It was fantastic. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was <laughs> Definitely great. Definitely not, not what either of us was uh, anticipating, having so much fun. We thought it would just be kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, but some of that was because of the planning, and uh, we had a lot of help uh, blogs, podcasts, the the usual media that everyone uses now when they want to take a deep dive in a particular subject, we had access to. And my joke was, if you throw a rock at the internet somewhere, you're going to hit some middle-aged parent who was going to give you their opinion on how to navigate Disney World. Uh, and so we used some, some of it was useful, some of it wasn't useful, uh, but we used that and we had a great trip. Uh, now, roll the tape forward and uh, planning out trips as as we always thought we would for the national parks. And there's some things out there, some great Twitter feeds that we'll talk about, but we saw really no podcast. Uh, and so we thought, well, wouldn't this be great if we can do this? Now, again, that leads to uh, kind of the third element, which gave us this idea of, all right, now why a podcast, but why a podcast with an active family, and which I think is how we would define our. So, Daniel, do you want to talk a little bit about the IMAX film that we saw? Yeah, so um, I'm sure many of you have seen that film. I think it was called National Parks Adventures. And uh, it was stunning, really beautiful. And uh, watching it on a big IMAX screen was incredible. It's um, three people traveling uh, all around the various national parks. I'm not sure how many they hit, um, but they they were real real adventures. Um, I like adventure. I like biking and swimming and and hiking. But these uh, these folks were 
really elite athletes. Um, I don't know that I would call myself an elite athlete. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I don't see myself anytime soon going ice climbing in Michigan in January, which was in the movie, and uh, or rock climbing in Devil's Tower. I, I'm just not that daring. Uh, but it, it was really gorgeous, really inspiring, it made me want to visit parks. However, when we walked out of the theater, I said to you, you may remember, Brian, um, that was awesome, but I didn't feel like it was accessible to me. I, I don't see myself... Uh, going uh, going home to go plan a trip to do what they did, uh, which I guess it was cool to see a movie, to see things that I would probably never do myself, um, but I also would have enjoyed seeing things that I may actually be able to replicate in my own life. Right, and I, I agreed with you. Again, it was a, a great film, and, and everyone should check it out, and, and nothing but respect for the, the three characters in the film, who again are elite athletes, uh, but you're right. I think the the average active family. And I think you, it would be fair to say, Danielle, we're not. And again, respect to these folks as well. We're also not the type of visitors to the national park that are going to view our parks from the windshield of our car, right? No, no, we get out and do stuff. <laughs> right. So there's that there's that happy middle of an active family who's going to go out, get off the main drag through a park, and get out on the trails, right? And and try to stretch themselves a little bit and see what they can see. Go for a hike, go for a swim. Uh, you know, we'll talk about this for Virgin Islands National Park. Go on a snorkeling trail, right? We're going to do some of those things. But you're right, ice climbing in uh, in Michigan in January, again, all respect in the world. That ain't us, right? So that was the third element. And, and one thing I wanted to go back, I want to uh, even wind the tape back further with you, because I think this is a very good point, is did you want to talk about your time in the Peace Corps and why, when you came out of the Peace Corps, uh, your first thought was, uh, one of your first thought was, I want to go on a trip out west to the national parks. Do you want to, because I think that's an interesting point to make. Sure. So um, a long time ago, I did the Peace Corps in Madagascar, and uh, during my time there, I managed to see most of the country and through the national parks and and also visiting um, villages and towns throughout the country. But um, my first experience with national parks was really visiting the national parks of Madagascar and so different throughout the country. It's uh, the fourth largest island in the world, really magnificent, um, had so many amazing adventures, so many saw so many beautiful things and incredible experiences. And after my service was complete and I came home, I felt like I need to see my own country. I really haven't seen very much of the country besides, um, you know, a few places. And so we planned this trip together. Um, and and Brian mentioned it earlier earlier on. And we used my the money I got from Peace Corps to uh, readapt uh, to home uh, and used all that money to go to travel and camp and um, get to experience the national parks and see a lot of our country that we had never seen before. 
So that's interesting. You know, there's a there is an old saying that sometimes the best way to view your own country is from afar. And I think it's interesting that your entry point, and we can talk about this a little bit more about how you grew up, but your entry point in some regards to the national parks was through Peace Corps Madagascar. I don't think, I think a lot of our listeners are going to share some of our sentiments. I think it's probably fairly unique, although there's maybe some folks who have lived abroad who've come back home with a ardor and passion for the national parks. But I think your entryway through being in the uh, on the east coast of Madagascar with vanilla plantations and lemurs, uh, that somehow that was your in, that was your gateway to the painted desert in Arizona. That's that's a that's a pretty neat journey. So I think that's interesting. And and along those lines, uh, when we go back to let's go back to our Disney World uh, example, is do you want to talk about your friend who and we won't we won't uh, we won't name names here to get her in any trouble, but she's I believe. Uh, a travel agent of some sort, uh, a private travel agent for the Disney World properties. Did you want to talk, uh, tell her about the story or, or tell her about your review when we got back from Disney World and, and what she had to say? Yeah, so I told my friend all about our trip uh, as a family and and myself just personally. I enjoyed it way, way more than I ever anticipated. I was, I was kind of... Um, nervous about the whole thing because I thought it was going to be a big headache but we had such a fabulous time such a blast the kids had an amazing time and I came home saying wow what will ever top this I don't know how I I understand how people um, go to Disney World annually because it's so much fun but I don't want to do that (laughs) it's built around service for the kids right so they obviously they know the parks know those those Disney parks knows what they're know what they're doing in terms of hitting all the pleasure zones for your kids, right? And making it easy to travel as a parent as well with your family. Anyway, so I'm recounting all the details to my friend, and I said, "I don't know how we'll ever top this." And her response to me was, "Well, you'll go someplace real." <laughs> and I thought, "Oh, yeah, how silly! We'll go see the world and our country." Right, and and that again, this is all kind of the genesis of of well, where we are with this podcast and where we are with our travel plans with with our kids. But I, I think now it's probably interesting to talk about uh, where we live and where we are from. So I'll, I'll set the stage here and, and let you do the big reveal. But uh, you know, the National Park Service has a theme, a program, which I, I personally think is a good one, which is uh, find your park. hashtag Find your park, right? Which I I interpret that as, uh, look at these parks are big, they're myriad. Uh, you can spend weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, and you'll still never see the same things. You can go in different seasons. So the idea is if there's a national park near you or one that you like to go to, visit and revisit and really take a deep dive in that park, which I think is wonderful. Uh, so that all being said, Danielle, do you want to talk about where we're from and, and where we live? So... We are both from Long Island. Uh, I am from uh, not far from New York City. And uh, Brian, do you want to say where you're from? Sure. No, I'm just from the other end of the island. So I'm from the east end of Long Island, uh, a place called the North Fork of Long Island. 
And Long Island, if you haven't visited it, it is very flat and very far away from any national parks. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a national seashore there. There's uh, Sagamore Hill, the, the, you know, Teddy Roosevelt's um, Teddy Roosevelt's home, but lots no, of historical sites. Right, but not one of the 59 uh, national parks. So the the irony is, in terms of find your park, if one would argue, if we were going to do this podcast, probably we should we should be residents of Salt Lake City, right? Because, uh, I mean, I, I'm just off the top of your head, top of my head, that's probably the best city to live in with access to various national parks, the ones in Utah, the Pacific Northwest, Yosemite. Uh, in some regards, I think living on Long Island, uh, we are as far away from the national park system as one can live uh, in the United States, right? So, uh, and the other end of that is we have no park bias, I guess. So we're not, uh, I guess, as, as we're not folks who live in Boston who are going to spend a lot of time extolling the virtues of Acadia, although Acadia is great, and we did go there at one point, uh, and we hope to be able to go back and talk to you about Acadia. But uh, for us, you know, we don't really have a park in our backyard. So... Uh, we're coming at these parks with open eyes and, and no bias, and, and we're ex- excited to see uh, different uh, parts of the country, different from Long Island. As much as we love Long Island, uh, we're excited to see other parts of the country as well. Uh, mountains, right? So things that we, you know, <laughs> you know, Long Island, if it's, if it's a... Uh, if there's a little hill about you know three feet off the ground, I mean that was pretty much a it's pretty much a mountain to me growing up. So this is going to be exciting. Before we talk about uh, some of the parks we'll be visiting, um, Brian, I think it would be really interesting to tell our listeners uh, about your role, your particular unique role with with parks in general. Right. I don't want to overstate it. So by by no means does this mean I'm a ringer by any point, but uh, I, look, at, we, we have a passion for the parks. And where we live on Long Island, uh, back in 2008, I was asked to be a commissioner uh, for state parks on Long Island for New York State Parks. And about a year or so after that, I was elevated to become chairman of the Long Island State Park uh, Commission. So I have that position now. It's a it's an unpaid position, and, and mostly I serve as an interlocutor between the public and our parks professionals and uh, the state parks folks back up in Albany. Uh, we raise some money. We have a foundation. So we, you know, my night job is uh, I'm running around a lot. I was just up at Jones Beach, which is probably our our most famous uh, state park uh, we have on Long Island, next to probably Bethpage. Uh, if those of you who are golfers and, and know Bethpage Black, uh, that's a famous public golf course that's had the U.S. Open in 02 and 09. So I understand, and I'll try to bring some perspective, but I don't want to overstate this. I'll try to bring some perspective from park administration as well. So I understand where there's park operation deficits, right, because we're struggling with some of the same things in New York State parks. But I also understand uh, the power of investment in parks, uh, by public entities, by public-private partnerships. So I'll bring some of that to the table as well. And we'll we're going to talk to some of those uh, people. And finally, with that perch, we end up talking to the National Park Service. We end up talking to some of the people who are key stakeholders in our national park system as well as our state park system in New York. Uh, so we're, we're hoping to be able to have some of those people contribute to this podcast as well. But again, I think I think everyone should think of me as just uh, you know just that that – 
slouching towards middle-aged dad with two little girls, and we want to get out and about uh, in our country. So that uh, that's going to be the majority of my perspective. That's a good lead-in. Why don't we uh, tell people about some of the parks that we'll be talking about in uh, upcoming episodes? Right. Well, yeah, our ambition is, you know, maybe we'll end up hitting all 59 parks at some point. But right now, uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So the first few parks that we'll be talking about, we'll be talking about Shenandoah National Park in Virginia, uh, Zion out in uh, Utah, Virgin Islands uh, in, uh, of course, in the U.S. Virgin Islands in St. John. Uh, We'll be talking about Rock Creek Park in Washington, D.C., which we think is a hidden gem uh, in the national park system in uh, in Washington, most people think of the as they should, right? The the mall and the Lincoln Memorial and Washington Monument, and, and as they should. But there's a a huge wild park in the middle of Washington D.C. that we think uh, people can take advantage of. And of course, the big one is Yellowstone and the Tetons in December. We're looking forward to building out a uh, uh, several episodes, not just based around our trip, but just based around Yellowstone and hopefully the whole Yellowstone ecosystem. So that'll be the first uh, the first several uh, episodes you'll hear from us. And we think, as of right now, that the basic structure of the podcast series will be you'll hear trip reports from us when uh, we're going, either we're going as a family or for Zion, I went with my high school buddies. So you may be hearing from some of my high school buddies about our trip to, to Zion. Uh, you'll hopefully be getting some background, some tips around Visiting the parks, again, from the perspective of an active family, what to do with children, uh, what the junior range of programs look like. Uh, and then, again, whatever background we can give you, uh, I'm looking forward to really taking a deep dive into that Yellowstone ecosystem. Again, as a guy from Long Island, I, I, I want to hear about the wolf issue in, uh, in Yellowstone. Uh, I, I want to hear about winter in Yellowstone. And I want to hear about, uh, again, this is, goes back to maybe my gig as a parks commissioner, I want to hear about some of the tension, frankly, between the public uh, in Yellowstone, uh, the uh, people who live around the park, and some of their practices uh, uh, with management of the park. I want to hear about that because I think that's also an important perspective for families to have, that you know these parks don't exist in a vacuum by themselves, that they're coexisting in our country, in our society. And, you know, I hate to say it, and, uh, but there's going to be politics around it. There's going to be policy to have to think about. And I think that just makes one a more informed visitor when they're visiting the parks and wondering, well, why are there wolves in this particular park, but they haven't been reintroduced in, let's say, Rocky Mountain National Park. And I think that's something that, that's going to be worthwhile uh, digging into. But we'll take it from there. And, uh, again, we're hoping to hear from all of you, too, at some point in your suggestions. And, again, we'd love to share uh, your stories as well. We don't want this to be just a one-way street with our family. Uh, and, and nor do we assume we're going to have a monopoly on all the great stories. So we want to hear from, from you all as well. Which, I, I guess, just to, to tie it all up, I did want to ask you, Danielle, why, why are the parks important? Right? Why, why do you think this is important to, to you as a mom, you as a woman, you as uh, you, an, us as a family unit? Uh, what do you think? Why are they important at this stage for you? Well, I found this whole year very exciting with uh, the centennial of the national parks. So much excitement about the around the parks. Um, so many people getting out and enjoying and visiting the parks and all the press. And I've just loved hearing about it. Um, 
we actually had started to have this idea even before the centennial began. Um, but for us and for me, being able to go out and really see our country, experience it, see it for myself, uh, revisiting places I've been to and seeing new places and getting to enjoy it and see it through the eyes of our children. I just love when we go to a park and um, see their excitement and what interests them. Uh, something that was really cool, which we'll, we'll talk about um, when we speak about Shenandoah, but um, my youngest uh, helped to uh, collect milkweed and to protect the monarch butterflies. And her dedication to this and commitment and determination to collect as much milkweed as possible, it, it was just really amazing. And I loved how involved she got. And she was really the workhorse. And she worked like a dog. And it was hot out, too. And it, we can't get her to pick up her clothes in her bedroom. But getting out in a field in Big Meadows at, uh, down at Shenandoah, which we'll talk about. For like two hours, she was so committed and dedicated. And I just that was just a small little trip that we took. And I just can't wait to see um, what, what will come in the future and in our future visits to whatever park we go to. Yeah, no, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I I was just reflecting on this. So years ago, it must have been right out of college or maybe a few years after that, uh, my grandfather, who's still with us, actually, my grandfather was inquiring about why I was going abroad a bit. So I guess this was in a stage where if I had a couple extra dollars, I'd, I'd do whatever I could uh, to go take a vacation, to go take a trip uh, abroad. And my grandfather had the very old school notion of, wh- why are you going Why are you going overseas? You, you should go see your own country. And I remember telling him, uh, well, Grandpa, uh, right now at this stage, when I'm a young, young guy, this is where I want to go. And I have a view of when I'm older and have a family, then I want to introduce them. I even use the image of, I want to load them up in the station wagon and take them out to see the national parks. And very rarely is, for me at least, a sentiment I had as a young guy turned out to be right, because usually I was just wrong about everything as a young guy. But that was one thing that uh, it it just kind of struck me then in talking with my grandfather and what we're following through on now. On the other hand, one thing I did not anticipate then, which I um, I definitely feel now, and I don't know I don't know what this is, but more than ever, selfishly for me, uh, I feel I need these parks. I need um, I need the outdoors. I need the break. I need to get the phone down and off, and hopefully not have reception. Uh, and I need to be with my family where we can kind of see the Milky Way, right? We can see the Milky Way. We can see an outstanding landscape. And for me, selfishly, it, it, it's food for my soul without being too metaphysical about it. So that's where, which I didn't anticipate as a, as a 20-something-year-old and living in cities, and it was great. But now uh, I just feel the need to get out. And I would mere say the mountains are calling me, so here I must go. Uh, I never really got that until now, that uh, whether it's the mountains or the desert or 
the, you know, the, the Key Biscayne Seashore or the Virgin Islands, right? The, the coral is calling me and, and I must go. Uh, this is just, for whatever reason at this stage in my 40s now, this is just something that I, I feel. And, you know, bolt on to that, the Parks Commission gig, bolt on to that, our hopes and dreams way back in 2002. And I guess this just is a, probably a pretty good place to stop. You boil this all together and uh, here we are with a podcast. We wanted to and, and I guess with, you know, 2016 technology, uh, we would love to share this with you all, and we hope you can share this with us. Again, we pretend to be no experts on the national parks. We pretend to have no monopoly on all the great stories and, and practices and what to do. We're just going to take a little slice of it from our perspective, be as open-minded as possible, and uh, and give you our experiences, and hopefully that helps you when you visit, and we can have a pretty good community around this. But uh, I think... With that, Danielle, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to add. Um, I just wanted to add that we also hope to um, be interviewing um, people with great stories to share or experts. And, um, you know, we will all learn about more about our national parks together. I think that's right. So I think with that, we can sign off for now. As usual, for those of you who are podcast fans, please comment like us on itunes stitcher all the usual all the usual venues that help get the word out uh, and stay tuned for more episodes from everybody's national parks thanks everybody thank you